Welcome to the Tapestry Network podcast, Terrific Tuesday. Get ready for a grace-filled journey where you will be encouraged, equipped, and elevated to overcome imposter syndrome and embrace who God created you to be. Hey, I'm Stephanie Sherwood, your host, and together in community with some of my dearest friends, we will unpack many of the ways we can elevate all the parts of ourselves to live in wholeness and freedom. Visit www.getwovenin.com to find out all the ways you can get woven into the tapestry network and this powerful sisterhood and community. Now let's dive into this week's episode. Well, hello everybody, and we are so glad to have you back for the the next episode of the Tapestry Effect podcast. I am so delighted to have Lauren Gartland, who uh, leads Inspiring Champions, and she's going to tell us a little bit about her. Uh, You can see from her background, um, and you can see from just how she is put together, the hair industry is her thing, right? Um, And we know that salons really are the backbone of our local communities. They are where women and men go, specifically women go uh, to just often have that reprieve, right? And I don't think that there are probably many hairstylists and Lauren, if I'm wrong, please correct me that have official training and counseling and marriage therapy and all of the things Um but really our hairdressers, salon or, or whatever you want to call them, really become some amazing confidants um, along the road of some bumpy life. And so I'm so excited to hear uh, what you have to share with us today. But how did you find yourself in the beauty industry? Well, it was in a very unconventional way. So first of all, Stephanie, I just want to say what a joy and a complete honor to be on your podcast. So thank you so much for inviting me. And, you know, it was not at, to start a company called Inspiring Champions, I didn't start it at the peak. It was when I was in the valley. It was when I was off the mountain. And so my journey in the salon industry began when I was 1985. And I started in the industry with Paul Mitchell they were a brand new company. They didn't want to hire me. And I finally said to her, look, I will work for free for three months. And if I'm not your number one salesperson in three months, you don't have to fire me. I'll just leave because they had this belief that you had to be a licensed cosmetologist to sell hair products. Well, you know, I think most people in life, especially leaders, you get a lot of no's and you got to learn to be unstoppable. You got to learn to move past them and to know that a no has to turn into a yes at some point. So I pretty much just stopped her, finally said I would work for free. She hired me and within a very short time, I was not only her top salesperson, but I was number one in the entire country. I became their first million dollar sales consultant. We only had seven products. The average product sold for $1.80 into the salon. So you do the math. That was a lot. But what I realized was I had found my home. I had found my community. Mm. I had found my tribe. I had never in my life felt like I fit in like I did in this industry. And I think that's so important for each of us 
to really find that community, that tribe where you feel as you fit like a pair of shoes. When you try on a pair of shoes, you don't have to walk a mile to figure out if it's a fit or not. You know, within a few steps. And so for me, that was home. And then I had a great run with them for six and a half years. I then went on to a distributor and I became their sales manager. They wanted a 50% growth in one year and four months. I gave them a 269% growth, which is unheard of. And I think it's important to share this because in leadership, we are, I had to learn that I could no longer be the star. I was the star as a sales consultant going into salons. But when I transitioned to be a manager, you take, you step into a new role. Mm -hmm. So with that new role, I realized I couldn't be the star. I had to take his 12 people and make them stars. I had to turn them into superstars. And I took what I had accomplished to achieve what I did. And that's what great leaders do. You take what works and you are supposed to train others to do it and do it 1% better. And that produced a 269 unprecedented percent increase. And that was amazing. But I realized I didn't really like managing people. Okay. I don't think uh, a lot of people, man, a lot of leaders, there's leadership in many different ways. For me, management is not my style. I love coaching and I didn't have those skills then. But then I went on and I was asked to take on a distributorship while I had never owned a business. And so this was it. I put everything on the line. I closed up my savings account. I closed up my 401k. I borrowed money from everyone I could. I sold everything I could to come up with the money because a leader, when you're committed, I always tell people there's a real simple success formula. Decide what you want commit to it, and then take action. Well, when they asked me to take on the distributorship, I decided I'm going to be an owner. And there's a lot of responsibility that many of us aren't prepared for. I was committed where I literally emptied out everything and put everything on the line. And I took action and I did it. They put me with another distributor and they said, all you have to do is you just have to increase your business this you just have to increase San Diego by 100%. We need to see 100% growth. No problem. In eight months, I was already over 800% increase. And so life was good, but it was a brand new company. I just kept investing because that's what you have to do as a leader. You got to keep pouring into it. And eight months into it, I arrived at the warehouse. My key didn't fit in the door. The gentleman they had me sharing a warehouse with who owned a, another salon distributorship, his key fit. We walked in, my desk was empty, everything was piled around it. I saw one envelope on my desk, I opened it from an attorney and it simply said, you are terminated instantary. And what I knew in that moment was that I had just lost everything. I had just lost all my money. I had lost my job. I had lost everything I thought was really important. I remember getting in my car. I don't remember the ride home. And so I got in bed and laid there for a week, having the biggest pity party I've ever had. I was literally paralyzed by fear. How do you move on from here? 
And so a week into my pity party, I got up, tried to find a job, couldn't find a job. This went on for weeks. Finally, I went home and on the front door of my beautiful home was the sign you never want to see. You have three days to get out because I couldn't, I couldn't pay. And so I asked a neighbor if they would put all my things in storage and if they would help me, you know, to get my things out of the house, which they did. I moved in to my car and I was homeless. So I'd lost all my money. I lost my home. I'm living in my car. I'm still trying to find a J-O-B because that's what you do. Just mm-hmm. going. And my church found me. And at that time I had left the church, but they never left me. I left God, but he had never left me because he found me in my weakest moment. And they said, we found you a home. I moved into the home and I said, oh my gosh, would you please take me to my storage to get all my personal belongings? We went to the storage. We threw open the big steel door and everything from my entire life was in there, was gone. Now I've lost all my money. I lost my home. I lived homeless. And now I lost all my personal belongings. And although I couldn't fathom how all of this could happen to me in the moment, I just was the, I, I just didn't know how to pick up the pieces. But here's the interesting thing. Within a few days later, I was in the kitchen. Remember I said I had left God, but he never left me. Mm-hmm. And for the first time in years, I felt him take my hands. I could feel it. I can see him today. That moment will never leave me. I could feel his presence. And he loudly and clearly said, Lauren Gartland, you're going to start a company called Inspiring Champions, and you're going to globally transform an industry. He said, everything you have done up till this moment is for right now. And the first thing I thought is, has the cheese slid off the cracker? You cannot (laughs) talk to me. Like, please, I am broke. I am broken. I've lost everything. Who is going to listen to me? Are you crazy? But, you know, God has a great sense of humor. And so he just visited me every single day for two weeks. And finally, I thought, well, I don't have anything else going on. Why not? I knew I had a lot of friends out there in the community that I had built great relationships. So. I didn't start a company called Inspiring Champions when I was at the top of my mountain, when all the I's were dotted, when all the T's were crossed. I started a company with a huge name like Inspiring Champions. That's something to live up to and live into. When I was broke, homeless, broken, had lost everything. But what I know today and as leaders, we have to be able to pick ourselves up in the darkest pits because if we can't pick ourselves up, there's not going to be anyone else really there to, to do that. But what I realized, and it took me years to finally understand why this happened. God was smart enough to know that he had to strip everything away from me. He had been trying to tell me to do this for many years. I just wasn't listening. And so he took everything away. So there was no retreat. And 
What's amazing, Stephanie, is here we are 28 years later, 28 years ago in March of 2023. Well, it wasn't 2023. It was in March of 1995. I started this company, this movement called Inspiring Champions. And because I was obedient and as leaders, we must be obedient. Yes. We have transformed the lives, the businesses of thousands, tens of thousands of individuals. Nobody could have told me that was possible. Nobody. But God will take ordinary people, transform them into extraordinary leaders and produce unprecedented results. And so for me, I don't just touch the lives of people in the salon industry. I touch the life of any human being I'm blessed enough to meet. So for me, my mission in life is to empower, equip, and inspire individuals to fearlessly and boldly live their dreams. And as leaders, we get hit with a lot of fear. There are a lot of obstacles. There are a lot of challenges. There are a lot of doubts, concerns that poke their ugly little head. But to do something fearlessly, it doesn't mean you're without fear. It means that your level of commitment is stronger than the fear and will move you through it. That if you believe what you're doing is what you were put on this earth to do, that you have just got to fearlessly keep moving forward and make the best decisions you can in that moment that really set, you always have to think as a leader. And this is what I pass on to all of our clients and my coaching clients is we have a big obligation and we can impact people's lives for the better or for the worse. And there's a lot of responsibility, but I always tell people when you make a decision and you will have to make many huge decisions, you got to ask yourself, Will this decision set the business up to win? If you are the owner, will it set me up to win? Will it set our clients up to win? And will it set the team up to win? And I always say, if you cannot answer yes to all four of those, do not move forward. You have got to go back around the circle until all four of those are a yes. Whatever you do as a leader, decide that it's must. And I'm not even going to say, don't even try. Try, I hate that word. Take it out of your vocabulary. <laughs> you must have the, you must know you have a responsibility to set everyone else to win. That's powerful. What a story. I had, I had not heard that. And I'm sure my facial expressions proved that I had not heard your backstory. What would be one or two tips that you could give our viewers on when you are in those pivotal moments where you have to make a shift of really stepping into leadership? What would be a couple of things that you could help equip us to be better leaders? Okay, got it. I just want to make sure I heard the question correctly. So I think what you're asking is, when they are up against those walls, having to make major decisions. Yes. You know, I always, when we're up against the wall, 
we fear, uh, it's almost like our brain can stop. Mm -hmm. And we, we, we can almost be paralyzed by fear where we can't even breathe. And we're just like the mind shuts down. What I always tell my coaching clients to do is, first of all, you have to understand you always have options. You always have options. And so what you have to do is you've got to take out a piece of paper and you've got to think about in this situation, what are my options? Because a lot of times people feel stuck. And if you can get it out of your brain and onto paper and look at what are the options, you can then go, oh, my gosh, what's the right and the best option for me in this situation? So, you know, I just spoke to a gentleman this morning and he's paralyzed by fear right now. It's like he had this booming business before COVID was at the top of his game, as many of us were. And then the bottom fell out. He went from 14 technicians, lost all of his top people, and has about 40% of the people left, and there's not enough coming in. But he was shut down to all possibility because the brain shuts down. You've got to tell yourself, brain, I need you to wake up. I need you to wake up right now, and we're going to look at opportunity. So what I helped him look at is he found out he owns the building. So one, you can sell the bill, the building that's paid off, and you can dump that into your retirement, go work by yourself and make a lot of money because you're a rock star. Two, you can rent out, you have way too much square footage now. Down, let's downscale your business. And let's rent out a bunch of this space. And now you've got another source of revenue coming in. You got revenue from your business, which is going to be more profitable because you're downscale. A lot of times we think, oh, no, you got to have more people. We got to make it bigger. Bigger isn't always better. I've seen a lot of businesses be in the hole and in debt with big businesses where you scale it down and it could be profitable and debt free. And so then we looked at, you know, he could go work on his own. He could just let the business, he could rent the whole building out and go get a smaller place and rent. And so as he looked at it, he goes, oh my gosh, I was so stuck in the problem, I couldn't think about it. And now he was able to process and, you know, come on, let's breathe, get him breathing, open up your mind, open up your heart, look at the options. And now Let's look at which one is right and best for you. So I would say that. A second thing I coach people to do, which I think is always important when we're in crisis mode or breakdown mode, is take a piece of paper and just draw a line down the middle of it. And I call this the Benjamin Franklin list. So let's say... You've got an employee that is a problem child, but they're usually your top producer. And so we're just like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And a lot of times they do nothing. They stay the course. And what happened to this gentleman is people left because he had a, a, a bad seat. And so what you have to do is take and do your Benjamin Franklin list. What are all the pros? And what are all the cons? 
And you can do this with anything, any situation. You can do it with the relationship. You can do it with your health. You do it with any major decision you need to make. And you got to look at, okay, what are all the pros to us keeping this person? And what are all the cons? And whatever the situation is, when you do this, I have never done this with someone where they couldn't clearly see in seconds. Oh my gosh, this is what I need to do. So sometimes what we have to do is we got to take our emotional hat off, which we do in crisis. And when emotion is high, logic is low. So we got to take the emotional hat out and take an action that will move you to more logical thinking. And when you do that, you're like, no brainer. <laughs> I got to let it go. But now let's create a strategy to do it and do it correctly. Right. What I decisions out of emotion is right. Thing I can tell you, and I've done it a million times. I'm sure many of your listeners have. And if we look back, we probably regretted it 99% of the time. Right. Slow down. Wait until you're calmed down. Go to a quiet place. Put your logic hat on. And do those simple things that will really help you. So those are my recommendations that I always find work. Those are amazing. But what I also heard you say was we are better leaders when we don't lead by ourselves. And so having you as a confidant, as a coach, as an advisor, you take somebody who has some good leadership sense and you help them be better at what they're doing. And I think for so many people, and I think probably more for women than men, we are so used to being the caretakers of our own environments that we just forget about the importance of ourselves and the importance of community. And like what you said at the very beginning was you had found home, you had found community, you had found your tribe. Yes. One of the things that we love about the Tapestry Network is we have that ability to move in and out of our situations. And we are all leaders. We're all called to lead. Somebody may be like you who leads a movement and there might be somebody else who is called to lead her husband and her, her two kids. You know, she's a leader within that environment, but those two things that you just described, like you said, they apply to anybody, any situation, whether you're leading, how do we go on vacation and all of like, oh my gosh, we don't have the money. We don't have the, this, we don't have the, that, oh, the plane's getting canceled, all of that. You can take off that emotional hat and put on the critical thinking hat. But it sounds like you would agree with me that you probably do it better, more successfully and faster when you do it in community with support than you could ever do it on your own. I mean, I'm just going to say this boldly and passionately. If you are a leader, not you, anyone. Right. In a leadership role, it should be, oh, I'm going to try to get a coach. Um, I think I'll get a coach. Maybe someday I'll get a coach. I should get a coach. You got to stop should know over yourself and you got to move it to a must. As leaders, we need someone to hold us accountable. Mm-hmm. Who 
neighbors, who are we, who are you talking to? Who do, where do you have the safe space to share what's going on and to get the feedback, to get the coaching, to get the skills, to get the knowledge, to get the tools that we need to move forward? I have two coaches and I got to tell you, I would be dead in the water without them. You know, they call me to the plate. They call me out when I'm, you know, in this little emotional thing, ready to go off and they're like, they slow you down. They stretch it out. We all, as leaders, all great people have leaders. You look at athletes, they have coaches. You look at people who go to um, the Olympics, they all have a coach. You look at the greatest singers, they have a coach. You look at the greatest actors. So if you are a leader, the greatest advice I can give you, do not try to walk the journey alone. Mm. do not that was the biggest mistake I made when I started inspiring champions and of course it was you know I don't have the money and that was a big mistake one I will take to my grave and regret that I didn't have the wisdom that I didn't have the courage to find the way sometimes we focus too much on all the reasons we can't do something when as leaders, we have to focus on, wait a minute, how can we do this? Right. Is there's always a way. There's always a way. Always, always a way. Drive and we have a coach. Oh, the sky's the limit because you're tapping into other minds. We yeah. only see one way. Sometimes we can't see the forest from the trees. Exactly. I'll ask you one last question. Have you, as a Christ follower, ever felt, and as a woman, ever felt that that disqualified you from being a leader? And if so, how did you overcome it? That is a powerful question. I will never not give the glory to God. Anyone comes to my course, they know. I don't stand up there and evangelize on the platform or when I'm doing Zoom trainings. I don't evangelize, but it is crystal clear that I am a believer. It is crystal clear that the CEO, the real CEO of Inspiring Champions is God. Um, I remember once in the early days, I tapped into a really large distributor in the Midwest. And he was opening the door for me. And this contract was worth a lot of money. This is when I was broke, when I was struggling, when the company was new. And he was going to hand me a $100,000 contract. You know, and I had been out there and done a couple events. And he goes, man, you guys got it going on. I, I, I want to do more of this with you. But he goes, here's the thing, Lauren. He goes, you can't say God. Mm. And I looked at him, I remember his name was Larry. I go, okay, so Larry, I, I just want to make sure before I make this decision that I'm hearing you correctly. So what I'm hearing is you're telling me that if I sign this contract, I can never say God. And he goes, that is correct. And I remember taking the contract and just tearing it up in front of him and said, that was the easiest decision I've ever had to make. I go, we're done. Wow. That's amazing. And I've had to make 
a lot of tough decisions. Uh, there was a time when there was a company wanting to buy me, wanting to buy Inspiring Champions. And I just had to release it to God and pray on it. And I got, I said, God, give me a red light. Give me a green light. I need a red light or a green light. You got to tell me and it's got to be crystal clear. And it went for a year. And all I got was a yellow light. Now, what's interesting, the couple that wanted to purchase it, he was an atheist. Oh. And so I thought, well, maybe... God wants me to partner with them because then I'm going to convert. Maybe that's how God's going to use me. And what was interesting is it was a Sunday. And on Monday, I had made the decision I'm going to move forward. After a year, I didn't. I never got the red light or green light. It was always still a yellow, but I said, I, I just got to make a decision. So I'm going to move forward. And people were saying, are you sure, Lauren? So I went to church that morning. And I was sitting, and to this day, I have no idea what it was that came out of the pastor's mouth. But the person sitting with me saw it happen. It was like, boom, I got hit with the two by four. And I literally flew back. And I heard God say, no, do not merge. And I had to call that person the next day because we were ready to go to the attorney's office. And I says, you know what, Bert, I go, you may not understand this, but you know, I said, I've been telling you for a year, you know, I'm a believer. I said, I've been praying for red light, green light. You know, I haven't gotten one. It's been a yellow light. I said, I was, we were going to go sign the papers, but I go yesterday, I got my sign. And I said, it's a red light, Bert, we're not moving forward. And he was like shocked. He goes, Lauren, is there anything I can do or say to get you to say yes? And I said, no. When God says no, I'm going to be obedient. So as leaders, we have to be obedient. We have to do the green light, the red light, and let God be at the forefront of your business and never be ashamed to let people know that God's in charge of your business. That's so cool. So cool. So you would say as a woman who's a believer, you have every right to be a leader. You know, I, I don't think, I, I don't ever like go around and say I'm a leader. I just think I lead my life the way that God would want me to. And that inspires others because what one of the greatest traits of great leaders is they have the ability to influence mm -hmm. and benefit and bring out the best in others. There isn't a day in my life I don't do that. And so if I was to look at success, I believe the true meaning of success is to know that another person's life, another individual is breathing easier because you have lived. I know thousands of people are living a better life because God put me here on this earth. So I don't take any credit for it. I give all the glory to God. I will always do that. I will never pick something else over God. He's at the forefront. And when he's in charge, no weapon formed against you will ever prosper. He will take care of you. He will take care of your company. And don't ever be embarrassed to tell people you're a believer if they ask you. 
Yes. Right. I'm proud of it. That is so cool. Well, I want to thank you for sharing your heart and your story. Um, you are beautiful. You are brilliant. You are poised. Uh, we are going to be better because we've listened to your story. So thank you so much uh, for taking time out of your schedule to be here to share your love for Jesus and your love for people with us and inspiring us to be leaders and champions in our own lives and in our own circles of influence. And so with that, we're going to say thank you and goodbye for another episode. And uh, thank you, Miss Stephanie. You're oh. awesome. Keep up the great work you're doing because I know you're changing and impacting life. So thank you so much. You're welcome. So bye, everybody. And I want to tell your audience. Remember, you have the DNA of the champion in you. Don't anyone let anyone tell you different. Just go live your dreams. Bye. Bye. It's Stephanie. And thank you so much for hanging out with us on the Terrific Tuesday podcast sponsored by the Tapestry Network. We're so excited you were here with us. And my prayer is that you received a few ahas and some nuggets that you can apply to your life. and. We know the power of community and sisterhood, and we personally invite you to join us. Please visit www.getwovenin.com to learn all of the ways you can be woven in to sisterhood and community. Now go out and have a terrific Tuesday.